Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be going over Northanger Abbey, chapters 13 through 15. Yes, and we're joined again by our special guest, Kristen Smith. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Yes. Um, what week are we on of quarantine? Um, 200. I'm starting four. <laughs> Say I'm three or four. It feels like it's 200 though. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, they just gave us like the two weeks. So it'll be a while. Yeah. So but, um, let's just get into it. What did, what's your first impressions of these three chapters? Um, I, uh, I enjoyed them. I found the beginning to be very frustrating because I felt so bad for Catherine because all her friends were terrible to her (laughs) and (laughs) like going behind her back and doing all these things. Um, but then it kind of just like unraveled into like shitty in the beginning, great at the end. I thought so at least. (laughs) Yeah. You go through a real arc with Catherine. These like, I don't know if it's three days or three separate events that happen in these chapters. What about you, Kristen? Um, I felt like, I don't know, the, the middle chapter 14 was um, kind of different because it wasn't as funny. Um, and there's kind of a lot more like talking about ideas going on instead of, you know, dialogue that just reveals characters or jokes or anything like that. So that was a little bit slower and took a little bit more concentration than... (laughs) most of the chapters so far. Yeah, I had a realization about Tilney during those chapters and that he's kind of like a cross between um, a grammar Nazi and like a really bad pun making dad. (laughs) 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 But I guess we get into that when we get there. Um, Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed these chapters. They're just, you know, it's like three pretty, um, pivotal, I would say, moments for Catherine, and each one is very different. (laughs) Yeah. And it's amazing how much the, like, um, fortunes of a teenager can rise and fall. (laughs) (laughs) Just a short amount of time. (laughs) Let's see. All right, well, let's get into some notes then. So this week, I'm really um, not being able to figure out what to do for notes anymore because Mm -hmm. there's just, you know, eight weeks of Northanger Abbey notes is kind of hard. And I don't want to, like, do too much on just Jane Austen's life because I got to spread it out. Right. But anyway, this week what I did was I found a bunch of lists of 10 things you don't know about Jane Austen. And I compiled my own version of that list (laughs) with the things I found most interesting that I didn't think we'd necessarily get into one day. Okay. So (laughs) random facts that I found. Okay. First of all, she had a disabled brother named George who might have suffered from epilepsy and he may have also been deaf. I'm not sure about possible learning disability, but he was sent away to be raised by a different family who could care for him when he was pretty young still. And the family ended up supporting him financially and regularly visiting him, but he was barely mentioned in any of the family memoirs and there's no mention of him at all in any of Jane's surviving correspondences. But he did live to be 71, so he had a pretty good life. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know about that, but he he stayed healthy enough, (laughs) I suppose. I guess I can't really make assumptions like that, but I thought that was interesting. Also, here's an interesting one that's always on the list. Jane Austen brewed her own beer. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. Her specialty was um, a spruce beer, which she made with molasses to give it a sweeter taste. And she also made mead. And once she wrote to her sister, there's no honey this year. Bad news for us. We must husband our present stock of mead and I'm sorry to perceive our 20 gallons is very nearly out. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I always wonder about their how much they drank back then, but because I think English people drink quite a bit nowadays. <laughs> uh-huh. And I know there was a time in history where you weren't really supposed to drink the water, so people drank a lot of alcohol. But I always wondered in Jane Austen's time how much they really drank. But I'm guessing a lot. <laughs> She's making yeah. her own beer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she used straight pins to edit her manuscripts um, in at least one case. Her unfinished novel, The Watsons, she used pins to fashion revisions to the pages that were in need of corrections and rewrite, rewrites. And apparently that practice dates back to the 17th century of people doing that. When I first heard she used pins, I thought she like would cut with the pin little <laughs> things out, but she just pinned it onto the paper. Um, okay. Here's an interesting one. Some people believe that her death was the result of being poisoned. (laughs) Um, Though most people believe that the symptoms that led to her death was probably either Addison's disease or Hodgkin's lymphoma, there is a theory that she died of arsenic poisoning caused by either a polluted drinking water supply or accidental ingestion due to mismanaged medication. So I guess whatever, I think because she was complaining of poor eyesight later um, in her life and they suspected that maybe it was cataracts by arsenic poisoning. I don't know. Good Lord. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll get into that a little more depth one day. (laughs) Okay, well, while she lived in Bath, she spent time with a well-known adulterer who supposedly made better conversation than the normal fashionable set. This relationship distressed her aunt and she teased her sister once there's now something like an engagement between us and the phaeton which to to confess my frailty i have a great desire to go out in (laughs) (laughs) so that's always i love getting those like interesting tidbits of like oh there's a lot more going on than we really know you know (laughs) oh yeah pull back the curtain yeah um, the names of several of her characters can be found in the prominent and wealthy Wentworth family who intersected her family tree on her mother's side. Because her mother was from a lot more upscale um, family than her father. Some of the names from this family tree were names like Cassandra Willoughby, Eleanor Watson, Anne Wentworth, Emma Wodehouse. Earls Fitzwilliam of Wentworth Woodhouse, and Darcy was also a surname. <laughs> so she might have just been looking in the family tree a lot. Yeah, I was about to say, that sounds familiar. <laughs> um, so when her and her sister went to school to be tutored and they got sick with typhus, or I said typhus last week, but it could have also been diphtheria from something I read. Their tutor, Miss Anne Colley, made no in- attempt to inform their parents that they were sick, but their cousin, Jane Cooper, who was also studying with them, took it upon herself to write to them, and so Mrs. Austin and Mrs. Cooper set out to rescue them, but tragically, Mrs. Cooper caught the disease and ended up dying soon after. Eek. Yeah. So much drama. <laughs> um, she really loved a thing called bath buns. (laughs) They're similar to brioche bread and they're served warm and soaked in butter. Mm. And it sounds delicious. I want to make one. (laughs) (laughs) She also really liked sponge cake. Once writing to her sister, you know how interesting the purchase of a sponge cake is to me. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. She had great manual dexterity. Her nephew and Her nephew said that she was successful at everything she attempted with her fingers. Her needlework was exquisite, and she was particularly good at folding and sealing letters, which was kind of an art at the time because they didn't have envelopes, so the way you folded it was like, yeah. Um, She also once played a game of bibbo catch, which is like um, a ball on a string and like a cup on a stick, and you try to catch Uh, it in a cup. Um, and she caught the ball a hundred times in succession until her arm started to ache. So, <laughs> <laughs> world champion. Yeah, she could have definitely maybe been an archer or something like an archery. <laughs> yeah. In the modern times. Okay, and then 
I found this one list that had this one fact that was very much a lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The fact that I found was that she had served in the military as a senior officer in the 4th Women's Battalion, King Royals Hussars. She even saw active service at Ulm in 1805. And so I started looking it up because I was like, there's no way this is true. I would have definitely heard this before. <laughs> yeah. And um, apparently came from like a Daily Telegraph spoof article in 2008, but somehow it found its way onto a lot of legitimate kinds of lists. Oh, Lord. But the other fact I found on that list, which I was very skeptical about, but I looked that one up, and it seems to be kind of true, is that one of her um, father's student boarders was a guy named John Wallop, who was the third Earl of Portsmouth, and he was an eccentric, odd lord who allegedly drank the blood of his servants. He acquired the nickname Vampire Earl. Good but Lord. he was still, like, really young when he was being tutored by the Austin family. I think he was a neighbor. And despite his strange behavior, the family still found him charming. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Isn't Very that crazy? <laughs> as long as he didn't drink their blood. They were okay with it. <laughs> I think he should show up. I've been thinking about my dream adaptation of Northanger Abbey. And I definitely think that there should be, like, a framing device that's Austin telling the story to her family because the narrator is such a prominent part, but maybe the, this Earl can show up as like one of the people in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Asking would the be appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for notes. So um, let's get into the recap. Awesome. <laughs> so the narrative starts off by telling us a week has passed and I pretty much described every day of it to you <laughs> and now we come to Sunday <laughs> so Isabella and James have come up with this plan that they're gonna go try to go to Clifton again tomorrow yeah they demand that Catherine agreed to go with them but Catherine is like no, I just agreed to go on my walk with Miss Tilney for real tomorrow, and I'm going. <laughs> um, but both of the Thorpes are trying to pressure her, and Catherine is standing her ground. She's not going to be pressured out of doing what she wants to do. Um, and then Isabella starts to get super syrupy and like, complimentary and annoying about it and <laughs> she says all in vain <laughs> Catherine <laughs> all fudge <laughs> then Isabella starts to guilt her and says you must like Mrs. Tilney or Miss Tilney more than me and that's when Catherine realizes that Isabella is actually quite selfish I mean I think she started to realize this in maybe the last chapter as well but this was like mm, nope she's selfish <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and when Isabella starts to pretend to cry and her brother, it works on her brother and now her brother is pressuring her. She's, and then she starts to feel bad. She's like, okay, listen, compromise. If you wait until Tuesday, I can go. But no one will agree to go on Tuesday. And Isabella's huffing resentfully. <laughs> and Thorpe says, <laughs> and Thorpe is like, I only want to drive Catherine. I don't want to drive my sisters and Catherine's like I really wish you wouldn't want that all of us are thinking that but he doesn't even notice and um James is actually really kind of being a jerk about it and Isabella Isabella's being downright rude about it I think she even like tries to like yeah I think Catherine gets really annoyed when she's like um outing her feelings for Tilney in front of everybody Okay, so then Thorpe, uh, Thorpe, <laughs> he really tries to ruin everything. He's no trying worst. to spoil things with the Tilneys. Yeah, he's the worst. He, he went up and lied to them and said that Catherine had a prior engagement. It's like the and most Catherine, infuriating part. <laughs> I know. Like, so shitty. <laughs> it's so rude. He's just so rude. 
And she's like refusing. And she says she's going to go set things right. And then Thorpe and Kat, Isabella, physically restrain her. <laughs> with No, restrain her. Withstrain her? <laughs> physically <laughs> restrain her. <laughs> and they're, they're trying to force her. And Catherine is sick of being rude because of them. And she says, if I could not be persuaded into doing what I thought wrong, I should never be tricked into it. And she breaks away from them and runs after the Tildes. And James stops Thorpe from going after her. It's like the one nice thing he did that whole interaction. <laughs> I know. It's Stare like, okay. that. <laughs> we've had enough of this. Um, yeah. Did you guys have any? I don't want to barrel over you. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I, th- I felt like it was so, like, crazy how insistent they were being. Like, they had to go that day. Um, it was like their selfishness got, like, upped by, like, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's, I mean, it's partially selfishness on Isabella's part because of what ends up happening. I think she really wants to go on this trip. But it's also, um, what was I going to say? It's also... Um, selfishness on like the Thorpes in general thinking you know we we want this family to do what we want you know we want Catherine and James and they're going to be our part of our family now kind of does that make sense (laughs) yeah yeah it's like almost trying to like not like ensnare them but like just I don't know kind of like trying to ingratiate themselves more and more into like becoming basically like one unit (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so Catherine is running after the Telnes she's unhappy to have disappointed her brother and she's unhappy to have disappointed Isabella as well but she's confident in her convictions and she ran pretty fast (laughs) and (laughs) caught up with them just in time because they were just going in the house when she got there and she just kind of runs in behind them and doesn't wait for the servant and runs up to the room where they're going in in person and um, General Tilney is standing there. (laughs) (laughs) She explains herself and her eagerness made everyone lose whatever resentment that they might have felt for her. Just like babbling and be like, I tried, I tried, I tried. Oh my God, I didn't mean it. He's so rude. I can't believe it. (laughs) It's not my fault. (laughs) I want to go out with you, not them. It would have been so rude, though, because she just smoothed things over about the last time they did this to her, and then they're trying to deliberately mm-hmm. do it again, because yeah. they don't want Tilney's to be more important to her. Okay, so she gets introduced to the general, and he wants to be mad at the servant for not letting her in properly, but she <laughs> assures them that it's all her fault. <laughs> And then the general invites her to dine with them, but she can't because she has to go ask the Allens if it's okay. Because she's a good girl. (laughs) (laughs) And the general is being very admiring of her about her elasticity as she walks down the stairs. Interesting compliment. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay, that's what you're interested in, her elasticity. And then he leaves her with... The most graceful bow she had ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he has his own elasticity. (laughs) I guess so, trying to match it. Well, she is, what, 17? Yeah. (laughs) I should hope she still has elasticity at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Catherine is super happy, but she's a little bit worried about her other friends. And she asks Mr. Allen about it. And he is glad that she did not go off with them. <laughs> and he asks Mrs. Allen, and she agrees that open carriages are a nasty business. And Catherine is like, <laughs> I wish you would have told me this the last time I went out with them. <laughs> because she wouldn't have. <laughs> if she had known that they didn't approve, she wouldn't have gone off before. And Mr. Allen says, young people do not like to be always thwarted. <laughs> <laughs> And he advises her not to go off with Thorpe again. And I'm sure she's like, okay, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that. Now I have an excuse. Um, And she wants to know if she should write to Isabella and tell her that it's improper. And Mr. Allen's like, "Mm, she's a big girl and her mom can tell her what is proper. (laughs) (laughs) She can handle her own business. Yep. 
And after all that, she breathes a sigh of relief and can just be happy that she's going off with the Delneys tomorrow. <laughs> all right, that's chapter 13. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say about that chapter? Um, I thought Mr. Allen gave really good advice. Like, he seems to have a good sense of people. Yeah. He says, yeah. um, not, not only just like, you know, she, uh, Isabella's a big girl knows what she's doing, but he actually says, um, she and your brother choose to go and you will only be getting ill. Will, which I think is good point. It's pretty smart. <laughs> he kind of knows yeah. how that works. Yeah. Because so. they, whenever she finds out about them at the end, they already know. So they've already yeah. suspected. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So chapter 14. <laughs> so it's a nice day. Um, she's kind of worried that they're all going to show up and try to take her anyway. But <laughs> only the Tilneys arrive and they're going to go for a walk around Beecham Cliff. And Catherine is like, I think it looks just like the south of France. <laughs> Even though she's <laughs> never been there. <laughs> she's only read about it in novels. She says she doubts Henry reads novels. And that's, I think, an influence by what Thorpe was saying before. Mm -hmm. She says that gentlemen read better books. Henry says that the person who can't find pleasure in a novel must be intolerably stupid. Excellent line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> he says he's read all of Anne Radcliffe's books. He loved the mysteries of Udolpho. He read it in two days. <laughs> and it's taken Catherine, like, several weeks now at this point and she's not done with it yet. It's <laughs> really long, right? Didn't we talk yeah. about it before? Or maybe I heard it on Bonnet to Dawn. It's like super long. Yeah, I think it's a really long book. Um, he even stole it from his sister so he could keep reading it. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine is very glad to hear it and she says she won't be ashamed of her own pleasure in it now, which is nice. Henry says he could talk about novels all day, and he has read so many of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Catherine asked if he thought Udolpho was the nicest, and he said, um, I guess it would depend on his binding. <laughs> <laughs> By nicest, I guess you mean the neatest. This is where I feel like his grammar Nazi, or, you know, like, um, you know, I won't say grammar Nazi. I'm just lumping all, like, people who just have like oh I hate that word it's so overused like I used to know someone who hated the word awesome because they're like oh that's not awesome you don't know what awesome means <laughs> <laughs> yeah I thought that was also kind of a dad joke um Eleanor verbally rolls her eyes at him and <laughs> <laughs> he just has issues with the word nice and then Eleanor's like well you're nice <laughs> <laughs> I like their relationship Henry and Eleanor have a very fun playful relationship with each other yeah um, very back and forth yeah very much like two friends who like to give each other a, a hard time but still love each other <laughs> yeah then Catherine is talking about how she doesn't like history she says well I guess Eleanor says she likes history and Catherine's like I don't like it she says nothing there's nothing in it that doesn't vex or weary her the men are all good for nothing and hardly any women are in it at all <laughs> <laughs> so tiresome. <laughs> I love that line. Um, Me too. Yeah. She says that it's odd that it should be so dull because a great part of it must be invention. <laughs> invention is what delights her in other novels. <laughs> uh, she's so wise for being so naive at the same time, you know, like Eleanor says, yes, but she still likes it even with the invention. And um, then Catherine is like listing off all the people she knows who likes history and she's surprised. And she says she's not gonna feel bad for history writers anymore because <laughs> she thought that they were just writing to torment young children. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry assures her that they're also aiming to torment older people too. <laughs> and then Catherine's like, you're making fun of me. And he says, oh yeah, Catherine, uh, no, Catherine says that if, she, if he had had to watch a bunch of children trying to learn to read and learn history every day, you would to use the word torment as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then Henry is talking about how the torment of learning to read is actually worth it in the end if you get to read things like Anne Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah. And Catherine agrees. So that was nice. 
so then they tell Nies to talk about how they would draw the country and Catherine doesn't really know anything about painting. She just listens and kind of feels ignorant about what they're talking about. And the narrator says, a woman, if she should have the misfortune of knowing anything, should she should conceal it as, wait, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> a woman, if she should have the misfortune of knowing anything, should conceal it as best she can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when the narrator pops in. Um, <laughs> yeah, Catherine doesn't know the advantages of being ignorant. <laughs> so then Henry is explaining the picturesque to her, and she's happy to listen to him and learn what he's talking about. And he's happy that he uh, agrees with everything he says. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and when he feels she might have learned enough or agreed with him enough, he starts talking politics, which easily turns to silence. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, thank you. <laughs> so um, Catherine is saying that she's heard something shocking will come out in London. It'll be dreadful. She expects murder. And Eleanor, <laughs> says, <laughs> Eleanor says, the government will take care of it. And um, they're misunderstanding each other. And Henry explains to them in a very mansplaining kind of rude way <laughs> um, that Eleanor thinks Catherine is talking about riots that could break out, which apparently at the time, I think there were actually like a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of wars and stuff going on. And I think there was the potential of riots breaking out at the time. Mm -hmm. But no, she's just talking about a new book coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, he seems to like to hear the sound of his own voice at this moment. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know. I found him to be like, so like, weirdly like out of character compared to the rest of the time that we've been around him. Yeah, I honestly think, I think it's because he has such a good and playful relationship with his sister that he feels he could just be more arch when she's around. And that's just like their way of having fun with each other. And Catherine just, right. you know, coming along <laughs> like, for the ride. Which I guess, which prompts her, his mom's like, you need to let her know that you're not shitty towards women. Yeah. And Eleanor's even calling him out and she's like, I, I need to explain his odd ways. <laughs> <laughs> and then Henry is like, I would be most happy to better acquaint Catherine with my ways. And I was like, okay, hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> Very flirty. <laughs> He's so tongue in cheek. And, um, he won't just say, I know women are smart, but Eleanor promises that he does. <laughs> Good thing he's got Eleanor there to uh, yeah. explain him. Not that Catherine would really be too put off, I'm sure, but, well, you know, maybe. Um, so Catherine is ready to admire what she doesn't understand about him as much as what she does. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor invites her to dinner when they get back. Um, Mrs. Allen agrees, and Catherine is so happy with the day so far. She never even thought of Isabella or her brother until she was back for a while. And um, <laughs> she goes out and runs into one of the Thorpe sisters. I think her name was Anne, and learns that they all went out anyway. And they took one of the other sisters, Mariah. And she says, the sister says, you're lucky you didn't go. It sucks at Clifton. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of chapter 14 was there anything else you guys wanted to say um, I, like I think so I mean and I guess I said this briefly in passing before but um, and I think you guys got to it as well but like they actually talk about stuff like the Tilneys they talk about you know, reading and painting and things they're interested in and politics, I guess, and, and, and play in their language as well. And they don't just like, like Isabella never seems to talk about anything. She just like plays herself. mind games or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talks about herself. Um, and so I, I feel like we, we learned here if we didn't already know that like, um, Henry and Eleanor are, I mean, good people, yeah, but also intelligent people, yeah. you know? So, yeah. and they care. It's like, it's like um, that line in, what is it? I think it's Persuasion, where 
Ann Elliott's talking to Mr. Elliott and she's like, I, I like good company. Right. And she's, she says uh, good company is, they talk about, you know, books and ideas and stuff. And he's like, no, no, that's the best company. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I guess they're good company. Yeah. Actually, there's a part coming up that reminded me of that particular line as well. Yeah. But in a different way. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is my train of thought. Um, did you have anything else, Christian? Um, I think just to like kind of piggy up, piggyback off that, um, it kind of feels like, uh, like to me, like I kind of realized at this point that it feels like we've kind of been like, quote unquote, like on vacation the whole time because it's like now we're getting back into like, I want to say like real world topics, but like literature and art and like politics and stuff. We haven't really at all been talking about this entire time, but we've talked about in other books and TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So it feels like we're getting back into like more like everyday kind of society stuff. Yeah. And less from just like. Yeah. Know, her and Isabella just talk about um, boys and novels all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think that it's a scene that doesn't necessarily paint Henry Tilney in the best light, but I also think it, it's the scene that makes me feel like Jane Austen really likes him as a character because even though like he is kind of full of himself and making fun a little bit, he's I feel like he's doing it like not from a place of actual um, malice yeah I feel like he's just doing it to to like push those buttons mainly on <laughs> Eleanor probably <laughs> yeah but, like in a sibling kind of way yeah exactly so I just think it's fun to see like the difference between her hanging out with the Thorps and her hanging out with the Tilneys mm. yeah all right so a whole different set of things happens in this chapter mm-hmm. chapter 15 <laughs> The next morning, she gets a letter from Isabella. Catherine goes over to the house, and she learns from Mariah, the other sister who went with them, that it was most delightful. And they got some soup, and they took some water, and they (laughs) ate some ice cream, and then they had a really quick dinner and a slow and rainy drive home. (laughs) And there was no Blaze Castle. (laughs) And um, Catherine's like, they didn't even go to Blaze Castle. They didn't even think about going to Blaze Castle. I'm glad I didn't go. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down, all the Thorps are annoying, even the little sisters, because they're just constantly talking about each other behind their back. Because I think Anne was Mm -hmm. like, who wants to go there? It's stupid. And Mariah's like, she's so jealous that I got to go. And it's like, Catherine's (laughs) like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So Isabella has some news. She pretty much assumes Catherine already knows it, but Catherine has no clue, of course. (laughs) (laughs) She finally starts to catch on, and she asks if Isabella is in love with James. And it's like, she's assumed you knew that since before James even got to town. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She learns that not only is is she in love with him, but they're engaged, basically. They still have to get permission, but they have an understanding with each other. And Catherine is so happy for them. And they hug and cry with joy. And um, Isabella is like ready to ditch her own family for Catherine's family. (laughs) She says she fell in love with him at first sight. Catherine's a little surprised that someone (laughs) would think of her brother as handsome at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you can really get a brother-sister relationships in this book more than any other book. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah just like the him like early yeah (laughs) Isabella says that she was always so sure that her secret would be safe with her and Catherine is like yeah considering (laughs) I had no idea it was very safe with me (laughs) 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 and um I got a little confused about what was happening but I think I figured out James is going to his parents to ask permission and I thought he was sending a letter, and then I thought Thorpe was taking him, but I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I think he is going to his parents. Isabella is afraid that she's too poor, your brother who might marry anybody. And Catherine's like, the difference in fortune isn't enough to signify. And she thinks that Isabella is just like the heroine in her novels. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all hoping to live close to each other. and. <laughs> 
Isabella will barely let James leave. She's like, go, but she detains him as he's walking out the door like several times. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Catherine comes again the next day and they wait for the letter from the Morelands. So I guess James went, but then he's sending back a letter. I'm still confused. Um, and yeah, they said yes. <laughs> and Isabel is the happiest of mortals. And Mrs. Thorpe is also very happy. <laughs> the particulars of the engagement, like money-wise, were not discussed in this letter, though. But Isabella is imagining carriages and rings. <laughs> <laughs> and Thorpe is now taking James... No. Did... No, I don't know what's happening there. Did James come back? And then Thorpe is taking him somewhere? No, anyway. John Thorpe was going to go to London on his own, and oh. James is um, going to come back from Fullerton, I don't know, in a, in a bit, but um, he only kind of sent this real quick letter to say they said okay, but I think that's, okay. I think that's all that's going on. Yeah, Thorpe is going somewhere else, though, because he wants to talk to Catherine before he leaves, I think. He wants to talk at Catherine before he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's. Okay, so he's like fidgety. Uh, Catherine's like, aren't you going to be late? And he's like, oh, don't you think this whole marriage scheme is a good idea? And Catherine's like, yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> and Thorpe wants to know if she ever heard of the saying, one wedding brings on another. And he says, um, we may try the truth of that same old song. <laughs> Catherine says, may we? But I never sing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's one of my favorite lines. She's <laughs> <laughs> just like, this whole thing is going so over her head. She does not understand what Thorpe is trying to say because she's like, ooh, if I knew what you were trying to say, I'd be like, ooh, gross. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Never. That's why he won't say it because, you know. So she tries to go, but he keeps talking. <laughs> He's complimenting her good nature and he wants to know if she would be happy to see him. And she says, there's very few people I'm not happy to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, oh, he says at one point, let me, be let me be only doing things I like, where I like, with the people I like, and the devil take the rest. I'm like, of course, you only want to do the things you want to do with the people you want to do when you want to do it, because that's just the kind of selfish you are, Thorpe. <laughs> <laughs> Then there's some more senseless talking <laughs> before she can finally get rid of him. And um, he seems to think that she was encouraging him and she is ignorant of having done so. <laughs> so, so are we all. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes back to the Allens and tells them the news. And, oh, I think that's why she was wanting to get away to tell them the news, not Thorpe was having to leave. She was wanting to leave. Okay. Sorry. Um, the Allens both expected it, and they hoped that they would be very happy. And Catherine is really shocked that they already suspected it because she, of course, did not. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and that's the end of that chapter. Did you have any more things from chapter 15? Um, I don't know. Like, I felt like it was really quick, and it was just like... By the way, they got engaged. Thank you. And that was like the end of volume. Yeah. Uh, my book is, is it every book is it separated into volumes? Like volume one and volume two? Um, I think, chapters? yeah, it was published originally in two volumes. Was that the end of the first okay. volume? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was literally going by page number just to break it up as evenly as possible. So I'm not quite <laughs> sure if I got it exactly right, but it seemed like a good ending place. Oh yeah. It was a nice little wrap up. Yeah. Did you guys have a favorite moment? Um, I would say probably mine was when she breaks free of the Thorpes and <laughs> runs to the Tilneys to apologize. And she's just like barging into the door and like basically like throwing away all like, I guess, like social niceties of the time. And <laughs> it's just like you know, sc scrambling over her words. Like, I could picture that in, like, uh, a movie scene, like, so perfectly. Like, her just trying to, like, ramble on, explain everything, and just, like, how silly it would be. I thought it was so <laughs> <Yeah>. funny. 
Yeah, that's usually a pretty good scene in the two adaptations. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favorite moment, Kristen? Um, I think I like the part um, in chapter 14 um, where the narrator's talking about uh, Catherine felt ashamed of being ignorant. And she says, uh, it's a misplaced shame where people wish to attach. They should always be ignorant. To come with a well-informed mind is to come with an inability of administering to the vanity of others, which a sensible person would always wish to avoid, which I think is <laughs> very true, very wise. Um, <laughs> just if you go, you know, if you're hanging out with people and you just know everything or, you know, you never give them a chance to talk, then you're no fun to be around, right? But then the next right. line is, is the sort of kicker. A woman, especially if she had the misfortune of knowing anything, should conceal it as well as she can, which you read <laughs> earlier. Such a good line. Yes. So cynical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, again, even though we don't know that much about Jane Austen's actual day-to-day -day life, she obviously knew a lot about people. Yeah. <laughs> so. She's I love how she can just switch over from something that's clearly true in all cases and then move into this cynical thing, which is also true, but you hope not in all cases. And it's just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Hilarious. I would say my favorite, I liked making the discovery that Henry Tilney is kind of likes um, to like make bad puns and dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite is when Catherine um when uh thorpe is like you think that same old song and she's like but i never see <laughs> i just <laughs> love that random like miscommunication i think um if jane austen had been born a hundred years earlier or something she would have written some really funny restoration comedies <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> deep dive this is gonna be an interesting one guys because I didn't really pick a character but I kind of figured because there's four big characters left and there's gonna be four more chapters I mean four more episodes um, Isabella Catherine Henry and well I guess there's also general Tilney but I mean we'll have other adaptations too so we can definitely cover them all at some point but but this week, I was kind of thinking maybe we could just do Mr. Allen. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. But I didn't really write down anything for him because the dive I did was on quizzing <laughs> because I've been meaning to do it for a while, and so I figured I might as well. So I was looking at my book. It's got like three pages on quizzing, and it is almost unreadable. I cannot understand it <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I managed to get two paragraphs worth of information from it. Um, <laughs> so quizzing to regard with amusement or scorn to appraise mockingly it is an attitude certain of short of the short-sightedness or blindness of its object so the quizzers are the agents like the people who are asking the questions and the quizzes are the objects of this chic mockery <laughs> this is also the narrator's preferred form of irony Henry Tilney clearly enjoys the sport, and John Thorpe, his evil twin, as they described him in this section of my book. Um, yeah, <laughs> the evil twin to Henry. Um, he rudely quizzes his mother and sisters and even tries to coax Catherine on a date to do it, which we read before. But who's quizzing who, who is quizzing whom is a question throughout the novel. Like Thorpe implies that his younger sisters are great at quizzing, but then also says how much he loves to laugh at them doing it. So they're like the quizzers and the quizzes at the same time. We, siding with the narrator, quiz the characters even, or especially the most self-assured characters, not only the Thorpes and General Tilney, but also Henry. And even the narrator herself can be considered a quiz as well as a quizzer. So I don't know if that made quizzing any more clear, but I'm, like, yeah, I'm quizzing. So it's but like it's poking fun. Yeah. Okay. No, go ahead. 
I was going to say, it's like poking fun, but I guess depending on like your intent and how you're doing it, it could either be like really rude or just like, like, you know, making fun of your friends. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess it was like, I mean, I feel like that's something people still do in certain, you know, friend groups or cultures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And usually it's in good fun, at least when I've seen like friends do it and stuff. Um, but the fact that it was so ingrained in society that they had like this whole lexicon of quizzing and it was like a thing you did may- makes me go, what a weird time that was. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to ask someone, like, do you want to go make one of our friends? <laughs> yeah. Like walk around. I'm going to go see if people are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> odd tradition it's just so weird yeah so we're gonna put quizzing behind us and not worry about it anymore (laughs) unless (laughs) one of our lovely listeners wants to write in with a more um easy to understand explanation of it um okay so for the deep dive i know you guys aren't um real astrology people but i thought maybe we could talk through what we were gonna make mr allen be so let's start off. Do you think that he's someone who would be like a fire sign ruled by like their passions or like a water sign ruled by their emotions, an air sign ruled by their mental, like their um, brain, like their thoughts and, or an earth sign who are more like grounded and, you know, they're more of a hardworking, get things done type of a sign. I would say earth sign maybe. Yeah. That's what I get. Well, within he earth. very grounded in his perspective, just to yeah. use grounded in that way. And I don't know if yeah. that's what he meant exactly, but he seems very down to earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He never seems to like, um, he's never having like an intellectual conversation, you know, yeah. about anything. Not that he's dumb, but, um, and you definitely never see him get upset. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a business kind of person, you know? Yeah. 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 And that definitely feels like an earth thing. So there are three earth signs. There's Taurus, Capricorn, and Virgo. Virgo is the mutable one, and they're more, like, organized, and their thoughts, like, they're, no, no, yeah, they're um, very organized. Capricorn is kind of like a put your head down and get the work done kind of a person. And Taurus is like a real lovey type person, but also can be very stubborn. Um, I kind of get Capricorn, just especially from the whole vibe of like keeping your head down, like when she is saying like, oh, should she let Isabella know that these things are not like, they're basically like not like quote unquote like kosher and you shouldn't do them. He's like, mind your business. Like just, you know, get yourself, like people can handle their own business. It seems like kind of that. Yeah, I agree. But you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I do think maybe Taurus, because he does have that, like, you know, where we were suspecting that he asked the person to, or the master of ceremonies to get her that dance. And he's, you know, always kind of looking out for Catherine. So I feel like he does have like a big heart, you know, that maybe is kind of what rules him because he's also got a really great relationship with Mrs. Allen, even though she's maybe not the easiest person to be married to. <laughs> I mean, she's probably pretty easy to be married to, but like maybe kind of boring. <laughs> what was the first girl that you said again? The first, the first one, one was organized. Virgo. Virgo. What do you mean by organized? Um, they are, okay, well, every sign has like a mutable, a uh, direct, and a... Um, fixed version so like the fixed version if you imagine earth would be like just you know a big plot of land (laughs) um the mutable version would be kind of like more like earthquake you know or um shifting sand type thing Mm -hmm. but they like to keep everything organized and maybe not in our version of organization but they know where every like thing is and it helps keep their but they're also very studious and really good at like getting things done that way yeah, because, see, I could see him as being like that because I feel like he takes care of Catherine, yes, because that's the job that he signed up for. And he understands his wife and his, I, I feel like he's sort of put her in this little box like, this is what she's like. And I like her for these things. You know, she's cute or whatever. But 
I don't take her too seriously. And then he's got his health stuff that he's there for. But because there was like the line where they're talking about being out in the carriages and he's like, I don't think that you should be going out in the open carriages. What do you think, Mrs. Allen? And she's like, oh yeah, I hate open carriages. You always get so dirty and your hair gets worn <laughs> around. And he's like, I know you don't like them yourself, but don't you think they're a bad thing for young people to be doing? He's like, that's not the point that we're talking about. Let's talk about the actual point. So I feel like he's got a sense of all the ideas that he deals with go in their nice, neat little boxes in a way, you know, which is a bad thing necessarily. It's just, so that's my read on him. So I I agree. Let's go with Virgo. Mm -hmm. I think you made a solid solid point. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Um, I think it's funner when we can like really discuss the, uh, the signs. So, okay, for Harry Potter, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw. Um, yeah, one of those. Um, I would say, yeah, Hufflepuff. I think is a good one. Yeah. Seems reliable and. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like yeah. that. Sounds good. Okay, Hufflepuff, Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so I is there gonna be like a big time jump between volume one and volume two or is it just like they just kind of broke it in half? I think it's, it's like the next half. day. <laughs> okay. I didn't know because like it, it seemed like so dramatic in my book, like there's a big thing at the bottom that was like end of volume one and I didn't know <laughs> if it was gonna be like we're gonna jump ahead or something, but um it seemed like not much time has passed throughout the book at all. How long was she supposed to be there? I think she's supposed to be there six like, weeks. Well, okay. yeah, except that, um, the beginning of chapter 13, the narrator says, you've now seen Sunday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we've only seen her for a week. Up to but the I was wondering if, oh, I was wondering if that was, we've seen the last week, but there might've been weeks that we saw before that too. Right? <laughs> Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, but I'm not sure. I was assuming in Bath, but we do have all that Fullerton stuff too. So maybe there was more time in Bath as well. Because they did have a few days at the beginning where they were just wandering around not knowing anybody. So maybe I would guess maybe like two weeks they've been there. Yeah, good point. Okay. Yeah, it just feels like it feels like it's, they've been there forever, but then also not that long. <laughs> and I don't know, I'm excited for like the next to see where it goes, to see like how things change with Catherine and and I guess where that they're going to Fullerton and all that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was thinking that the the cross between volume one and volume two was something further on down. So I'm a little surprised that halfway is for only to this point in the book. Mm. Yeah. So there's still a lot more exciting stuff to come. And I'm very excited. Um, I've liked this first half. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I just am delighted with like Catherine's naivete and, um, but yet she still knows some stuff and yeah, I was, I love, I've loved it so far. What about you, Kristen? Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with how Austin has drawn John Thorpe and Isabella Thorpe because they are so maddening. And they were- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not real people, but you just want to strangle them, you know? And I just think she did such an amazing job creating those characters. And it's like she reveals it to you a little bit at a time, right? So it's not like she just dumps all this nastiness, but it gets, like, you don't know at first that Isabella is manipulative, let's put it that way at this point, that that she can be manipulative, you know? She just seems super sweet there at the beginning. Um, yeah. Although if if when you go back and read it again, you're like, Oh yeah, uh, there, there's, there's some hints there. It's like <laughs> there's a little bit novel again, but um, yeah, I just really, those two in particular, it's been amazing to, to experience them again. <laughs> yeah, because I know um, Christian, you were really liking Isabella at the beginning. How are you feeling about her now? Um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like that she, not that I felt before, but that she has kind of like evolved fully into the person that we're supposed to know and it's not like this um 
thing you I, I would say you, you typically get in books where there's the introduction of the character and you get like all of their mm. overlying like characteristics all at once it's kind of like she really builds them up into like your Catherine getting to know Isabella yeah yeah that's, yeah that's what I've really loved about this book so far is that with every character you're like there's layers and layers and I think yeah. it just really speaks to her understanding of people because it's like we're getting to know these characters in person <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's really um, masterfully done, especially considering, I can't be sure, but I think this is one of the first, I mean, it's definitely one of the first ones she wrote, but I always think of it as being the first one. And it's just like, yeah, it doesn't get enough recognition, I think, because, I mean, the way she's layering, like, we're only getting to know the characters through Catherine's eyes, but the narrator knows everything, and she's slowly letting us in on stuff, and she's like a whole other character who's talking to us directly. I just think it's all so really interesting, and, you know, I don't yeah. think I can think of another book quite like it. Mm -mm. And you know what's also fun is, I mean, you say that, Maya, that we see everybody through, through Catherine's eyes, which I think is true, except that we also, and you said this too, with the narrator knows them as well, but then I think about that scene with Henry, where clearly Catherine is like head over heels and has no critical faculties to understand Henry. But when we see him talk about, you know, saying all these horrible things about women and, and stuff like that, you're kind of like, you're kind of a jerk. And then we hear him through sort of, we see him through Eleanor's eyes and we see, oh, maybe he's just playing. Is he a jerk? Is he just playing? Is he perfect like Catherine thinks he is? I mean, so we're, we're, I don't know. I guess kind of like Catherine, we, we kind of get some information from one direction. We have to figure out what we think about it based yeah. on all the information we're getting or think about the people based yeah. on all the different information yeah. we get. So, yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like we're being placed in Catherine's shoes and we're experiencing this through Catherine because we're getting to have the same thoughts as her as like, you know, this person we've thought the whole time is like this. This, this one moment has changed everything and now we're like what's coming next yeah and at the same time we're experiencing Catherine through what the narrator mm -hmm. is letting us in on her thoughts and you know how she stacks up compared to other heroines even yeah. <laughs> I'd say she's not like probably one of the most likable main characters I've ever read about yeah I like her a lot yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and she's and not I'm, without I'm her flaws <laughs> yeah yeah um, but I'm also excited because I, I have the annotated version and I'll, there's like a bunch of annotations throughout each chapter about like, um, I think like in chapter 13 of um, when Catherine goes to apologize and then she can't stay because she has dinner with the Allens and then uh, Miss, uh, General Tilney has like really good things to say about the Allens and then the annotation was like, you'll find out in the future why he likes them so much. And <laughs> it's like a bunch of those. So I'm like, what is going on? Wow. It's nice we don't want to spoil you, but they want to tempt you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, I guess I'll keep reading. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, all right. Excited. Let's do recommendations. You guys at all do you prepared? Have one? <laughs> um, I I have to think real quick. Yeah, actually, I do have one this week. Um, it's a podcast. It comes out every single day. It's like 10, 15 minutes long. It's called The Last Post, but you might have to put in The Bugle Presents The Last Post because it's a spinoff of a, another podcast I listen to called The Bugle. Um, it used to have John Oliver and Andy Zaltzman. Now it's just Andy Zaltzman and a, a bunch of guests. But one of the best guests from that show is Alice Frazier, who started her own podcast. It's like a kind of a spinoff called The Last Post, which is basically she's reading the news from a parallel dimension. I <laughs> know. <laughs> 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 and um, it's really funny. It has been such a bright spot in my day every day. And um, yeah, I would um, definitely suggest it. It's very funny. It's got like a little twist on the news, but not really the news, it's like a fake news. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a comedian on every week who does like the main story, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I would definitely check that one out. The last post, the Bugle yeah. presents the last post. <laughs> See, I'm going to add it to my, um, my queue. You should. Because I'm like running out of podcasts now that I'm working from home. <laughs> I'm like just burning through them all trying to get it the day. <laughs> 
I wasn't sure if people would stop listening to podcasts now because they're not commuting at all. <laughs> I said I'm all day I'm at my desk at home. I mean, it's all I can pay attention to is podcasts basically at the moment. <laughs> and YouTube right. videos. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a recommendation? Um, yes, I have two again. Um, one of them is new, one of them's old. Uh, the new one is I just recently watched Knives Out. And mm. I really loved it it was so good it was just like it was like something I you don't really get to see a lot of these like murder mysteries anymore and Clue is like one of my favorite movies and so it was just like really fun to kind of revisit that genre and just have like the seriousness and also like this extreme goofiness of it it was just so good and like Tony Collette is like everything to me <laughs> I love her so much and she was so oh. good I want to see that one really bad it's so good it was it's worth renting and buying okay so you should definitely check oh, it out yeah definitely i'm going to yes and my old recommendation is i have recently within the last i would say like six to eight months i've discovered linda ronstadt and i've been obsessed with her heart like a wheel album i've literally been listening to it like nonstop all day it's one of my favorite albums now and just like if you haven't listened to her like i hadn't like do it you'll be obsessed <laughs> put it on the so playlist <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, say, I will finish that playlist i swear <laughs> one day that's okay time is slow to a still standstill <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> what about you Kristen? um well mostly what i'm doing these days is trying to keep my children and myself sane so i'm, <laughs> I'm not doing a lot of <laughs> reading or much of anything but um since you mentioned podcasts um i will recommend the podcast what should i read next okay yeah i don't know if you guys have heard of that one but um basically um it's the the presenter's name is ann bogle and she has the format is she has a guest come on normal person writer publisher whatever somebody who reads and they talk a little bit about um what kind of books they like and what their reading experience has been and if they have an interesting story um like this past week uh her guest had gotten married in a library and i had a friend who got married in like library and book oriented wedding stuff and it was like that's so cool. I wish we did cool stuff like that when I got married, but <laughs> got married right before all that started. But anyway, so anyway, so they, they talk about their reading life and then the guest says uh, three books they love, one book they didn't like and <laughs> what they're reading now and kind of what they're looking for. And then Anne says she gives them some suggestions for books that they could read next. So um, based on kind of what she gets for their tastes and, and uh -huh. things they want to avoid. And anyway, I don't know how, how good she is at it. I mean, <laughs> podcast has been going on for a while, but I've only listened for a little while, so I don't know, you know, about <laughs> follow-up, but she's got an amazing voice. And it just, if you're looking for more books or something new to read, or just to listen to what other people who like to read are doing, um, I found it to be surprisingly interesting and it's given me a lot of new books on my to be read list, which I'll probably never get to, but at least they're on the list. So, um, yeah, I recommend that. That's a good one. What's it called again? Uh, what should I read next? What should I read next? I'm definitely going to put that on my list. I love a good book oh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good one. Um, okay, so next week we are going to be doing a check-in. So um, if you have any sort of anything you want to write in to us, like any sort of mashup ideas or, you know, if you had an idea of what would be the best way to adapt Northanger Abbey, um, I would love to read some of that because I think I might um, give my ideas for that in the next episode. Um, <laughs> also, I watched Emma, the new Emma, so I'll do my first impressions of that and maybe, I don't know if Christian will get a chance to watch it before then, but um, if so, so, now there is a slight chance that next week we might have not the check-in, but um, this um, one I recorded with my sister during Christmas time, because 
I am having a hard time getting all my um, brains to work during this quarantine. So I feel <laughs> like I might just need like a week of not thinking about it. So um, we'll see. That'll give you guys more time to write in if you want. Point us towards any quizzes that you know of that would be appropriate. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe when we're done with Northanger Abbey, we could do a how well do you know the book kind of a quiz. But um, yeah. You know, but I'm sure there's some other North Erringer Abbey quizzes out there we can do for this time. And I mean, I feel like we've maybe done all the Twin Peaks. (laughs) (laughs) I can try. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so um, just in case next week is not the actual check in, I just want to warn you guys. But maybe we'll just do the check in. I don't know. We'll (laughs) (laughs) see. We'll see what happens. We're flying by the seat of our pants here, guys. Yeah, but the next time we get back together for Northanger Abbey, we are doing chapters 16 through 20. So that's quite a few chapters, but they're shorter. And I think then, and then the next Twin Peaks is episode five. Mm-hmm. And yep. if you want to get in contact with us. Yes, our uh, Gmail is mannersofmadness at gmail.com. Our website is mannersofmadness.com, and you can leave us a voice message if you'd like. Um, our Instagram is at Manners and Madness Pod, and our Twitter is at Manners Madness if you want to DM us. Yes. Or, um, yeah, if, uh, if you go to our anchor page, which is the website, then you can also leave us a voice message. Yep. Um, all right. Well, I hope you guys are all doing okay. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us. Yeah, thank so you. I'm happy to have you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe for the check-in, we can have you and Aaron, and we can just do like a real huge crossover (laughs) check-in. We'll see where we are in um, a week or two. Um, Okay, and was there anything else? Am I missing something? I don't think so. Yep. All right, guys. I hope everyone's doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, and have a good night. Yeah, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.